Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchable News. It's Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we've got some news. The White House is looking for a new head of legislative affairs. Number two, what to expect at the whistleblower hearing. And number three, the latest in the FAA fight for long-haul flights out of DCA. All right, Jake, let's get into it. We are leading Punchbowl News AM with a really interesting look at two of the top figures who uh, are possibly in the mix to be named as the next legislative affairs director. President Joe Biden announced last week that Louisa Terrell, who has served as the White House's top Hill liaison since 2021, would leave. Yeah, so this is a big deal. So uh, this story broke last week. The White House put out a statement about uh, Louisa Terrell leaving. Not surprising to me that she's leaving. Uh, actually surprised that she's leaving uh, kind of late in the sense that she was the Ledge Affairs Director for the two most kind of consequential years of the Biden administration, right? The two first years of the administration when they had the House and the Senate, and when they got, as we've chronicled for two years, some of the uh, most consequential legislation done, um, uh, you know, the the all the big things that Biden did in the first two years of his administration. Now the White House is on the hunt for a new Ledge Affairs Director, two people that are in the mix that we could report this morning. Jamie Fleet. Jamie Fleet is the um, a very senior advisor to um, uh, Nancy Pelosi to, or was a senior advisor to Nancy Pelosi, an, an advisor to Hakeem Jeffries. And uh, he also runs for the Democrats. The House Administration Committee was very involved in the January 6th investigation. This is somebody who you might say is like, one of the quote unquote mayors or city councilmen of Capitol Hill, right? He's somebody that understands the ins and outs of the institution and where the proverbial bodies are buried. This is somebody who just uh, knows a lot about the institution and is uh, kind of well respected across the board. Um, the other person is Shawanza Goff. Goff just left the White House like a couple months ago um, and has a, she was the chief house liaison for Biden under Terrell. Uh, Goff was also the um, first black woman to run the house floor. She was the the floor director for uh, uh, Steny Hoyer when he was majority leader and a very, very, very trusted advisor of Steny Hoyer. And I don't mean that. Um, I only laugh because she is somebody who, um, if there was something going on on the house floor, she was the person who would, who would you know, uh, shepherd it across the line, who would run the House floor for the majority leader. As you know, Anna, one of the most important positions in Congress. Interestingly enough, um, and I'll let you take a whack here in a second, but interesting, interestingly enough, Goff, by dint of having this extensive portfolio on the House floor for Hoyer for so many years, was uh, built a very good relationship with Speaker Kevin McCarthy, then Minority Leader, Minority Whip, all the roles that McCarthy had uh, in his career, and McCarthy staff. And the White House does not have that many people with terrific insight into McCarthy. Um, uh, they got some more insight during the uh, debt ceiling negotiations, but this is somebody who um, uh, 
understands McCarthy, understands what makes him tick, and can talk to McCarthy in a you know um, uh, a normal fashion in the sense that she just worked with him for so long. Now, the White House declined comment on this, but um, we have uh, lots and lots and lots of sources on this. So, um, uh, And also, by the way, Goff and Fleet also did not respond to comment. But Anna, what say you? Yeah, I think it's interesting in a couple of ways. One, I think it's interesting that we're talking about two house, key house staffers, right? Oftentimes, these roles are not filled when you're talking about the key White House legislative affairs position. Uh, it's uh, can if you go back in history, m- many times you're looking to a Senate uh, figure, right? Um, yeah, that's a good point. And so I think that is just something to think about when you think about the context of the politics that are happening right now and how important the speaker is, particularly when you look at government funding and and some of the other key issues. Um, So I think that's just notable. Um, You know, we'll see if those these two remain the only two top key contenders. Uh, I think the second part is, you know, Schwanza, I mean, is kind of in the same way as Louisa, right? She's she has just left the administration, right? I mean, this is these are hard jobs. Um, Having made the decision to kind of change uh, you know, the headspace to go into the private sector, it would certainly be a big switch back for her. I think clearly, obviously, you know, very uh, respected, has done a good job. I think to your point, has that McCarthy ear, um, you know, going to be very interesting to see just does she want to do it. I mean, like, I just think these things are this, this job will be no joke in the next two years. Um, and then, you know, Jamie, on my end, to your point, I think has been a behind the scenes player, really well respected in Pelosi world now has kind of moved into Jeffrey's world. Um, but, you know, how does he kind of manage the Senate side of things? How would he manage the broader Republican relationship? Um, two things that I think will be interesting to see, certainly, if he gets the job. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning. Max Cohen has a report this morning looking at what to expect at the whistleblower hearing uh, today, he is all over all of the investigations, as always, for us. A really interesting look um, today to IRS whistleblowers who claim the Justice Department improperly interfered in the investigation into Hunter Biden will testify in front of the House Oversight Committee. Uh, it's a big moment for House Republicans who have touted the testimony of longtime IRS employee, employee Gary Shapley as evidence of political bias within the Biden administration. Of course, we've seen that many, many times uh, over when they've gone on cable news, when they've done scrums on the Hill, pointing to uh, this former IRS employee uh, as this kind of, you know, instance of bias. And today we're going to see uh, the first kind of public airing of that. Uh, Republicans also are facing a massive quandary ahead of the anticipated hearing this afternoon. U.S. Attorney for Delaware, David Weiss, who ran the Hunter Biden probe, has repeatedly disputed the whistleblower's major claims, Jake. This is the rubber meeting the road for James Comer, the House Oversight Chair. Um, they need to, they have a lot to prove here. Um, so Comer is banking on the testimony here of two whistleblowers, one named and one not as of now. Um, and uh, they need to, they need to uh, kind of make this make sense to people who are not following the ins and outs of all of the House Oversight Committee's work, which is most 
every American, I'd say 99.9% of Americans. Um, So the Republicans need to make that case and they need to make the case that these are people who are not partisan and need to beat back on Weiss's um, remarks here. This will be watched at Maine Justice, I have to imagine. This will be watched in some quarters of the White House, um, a lot of corners of the White House. And Democrats will have to, um, uh, led by Jamie Raskin, um, the uh, ranking member of the committee, they are going to say that, listen, Weiss, who was appointed by Trump and who uh, uh, was reappointed, obviously, kept on by Biden, um, will want to kind of beat back on that and say, listen, Weiss has the the U.S. attorney in Delaware has said this is not true. And we, there was no interference in this guy. These the the investigation and the officials had free reign. So this is a big moment um, in the sense that the um, uh, there's been a lot of accusations, a lot of accusations, pretty serious accusations against the Biden family and um, Max Cohen, who has been covering this stuff and who thankfully did the podcast for us last week. Um, so you might know his voice. Um, Max will be following this for us and we'll have lots of takeaways throughout the day. So uh, keep an eye open for the midday PM and probably AM editions just to make sure we get all the angles here and figure out um, what is uh, discovered and what is uncovered and what is not. There you go. All right, let's go to the number three story of the morning. We've got an FAA update. The House seems likely to adopt an amendment to the annual FAA reauthorization bill that would allocate seven new slots at Washington Reagan National Airport, our home airport, one for each airline that currently operates at DCA. Interesting twist now. You have DMV area senators working feverishly to make sure the Senate doesn't approve a similar proposal and warning once again that it would imperil the underlying legislation. Yeah, this is big. Um, there was a compromise piece of legislation, a compromise amendment that allowed seven slots inside or outside the perimeter so they could fly. Airlines could fly short haul or long haul flights from DCA. Um, and uh, uh, this is something that Delta has been pushing for. American United and Alaska have have been against it. American has softened its opposition uh, a little bit. But DMV area senators, Mark Warner, Tim Kaine, uh, told us that they are not for this. They don't want any more flights added to DCA. This is going to be a huge flashpoint in the um, uh, FAA bill when it gets to the Senate and when they try to reconcile the House and Senate bills, which are not going to be the same. Ted Cruz is for this, and there was talk a couple weeks ago as we reported that there was a deal between Ted Cruz and Maria Cantwell, the chair of the committee with jurisdiction over the FAA, to add slots. But I, I would be, I'll be honest with you, and I think we could see um, uh, the FAA bill hung up over this because uh, uh, Tim Kaine, Mark Warner, Ben Cardin, Chris Van Hollen, the Metropolitan Washington Airport Authority, DCA, the FAA have all basically said we don't want to add flights in various ways. They said they don't want to add flights to Washington National, which is prone to delays, as you and I have, have found out over the years, um, and uh, uh, and also for noise problems, right? Noise complaints, so to speak, uh, in the Northern Virginia area, which is uh, it's a, it's a it's a completely legitimate, obviously, complaint. Uh, National has was always envisioned in their view uh, as a short haul airport, while Dulles was considered the larger airport, where where United has a basic m- monopoly on flights that's uh, uh, their one of their big, big hubs, international and domestic. So this is going to be a major, major flashpoint, and it's something we're going to be following very, very carefully. All right. 
With that, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. If you like The Daily Punch, share it on social media. Give us a rating and review. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can go deeper on all of these topics and more with our free morning newsletter. You can sign up for that at punchbowl.news. All you need is an email. We appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. Have a great day and stay safe.